When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And uh, good, good, good evening, everyone. I'm uh, I'm here with Ken McCusick, and we're going to talk about that w- one great play. No, I'm sorry. Okay, oh. hold on. I, I oh, I'm, I'm still going to do the entry to the show. Oh, I thought you <laughs> I wanted me to do the. I can I apologize. Can no, no start problem. Over that? Uh, you're you're going to lead us into the to the other stuff. Okay. I apologize. I misunderstood. Count it down, Josh. Here we go. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're here to continue our series of That One Play. Got a great one for you tonight, and one you probably will not remember if you're a younger football fan. The 1999 Stony Case to Justin Armour game-winning touchdown pass in overtime to beat the Falcons in Atlanta. Uh, it was a, uh, a, a, a point in Ravens history, and uh, I definitely had a lot of interesting side notes that I think make this a great choice for one of these episodes. Hope other people will, will, will take it as kind of a, a cue to pick their own favorite play. Here to talk about it with me is Jamie Seek. Jamie, how are you doing? I'm good, doing well, Ken. How are you doing? I got no complaints. So, J- Jamie, you picked this, and I'm sure you had your, your reasons for it. We've talked a little bit about it, but kind of lead us into where the Ravens are in 1999 uh, at the time of this game. Well, it was, uh, you know, we had gotten through the uh, the first three seasons, kind of the, the honeymoon phase, I guess you could say, of football returning to Baltimore. No one, of course, you wanted the team to win, but I think we were excited to be in NFL City again. And, and it was interesting, too, because I think we were all learning how to be football fans, because uh, it's a different experience, I think, you know, things like uh, – being quiet when the team's on offense, you know, th- these are things that when you don't have an NFL team, you don't know about. And of course the, uh, this was Brian Billick's first year as head coach after his uh, record setting year as offensive coordinator in Minnesota. And thankfully their heartbreak in the uh, NFC championship allowed us to hire coach Billick because if they would have went to the Super Bowl, the Vikings, who knows how things would have worked out. But um, yeah, so I think, the, the city, the fan base was excited because here we have this coach coming in who's this offensive genius. If you remember, he had that uh, playbook with however many thousand plays in it, mm-hmm. copy coach and all those things. So we were all very excited to see what this new chapter in uh, the um, brief history to that point of the Ravens. But we were looking we were excited as a fan base. Yeah, very much so. And I, you know, one of the things I remember coming into 99 is a, a couple of things. First of all, they'd been on a quarterback carousel a little bit because they never really committed entirely to Testaverde, even though it had been a, a Pro Bowl quarterback in the in the Ravens' very first season. Then they moved on uh, after trying Eric Zier at the position in 97. They moved on to Jim Harbaugh in 1998. That was another disaster, not an unmitigated disaster, but it was a it was a bad season, another bad one. And one that they really want to get by it. And they had the answer, of course, in 1999 in Scott Mitchell. The guy, the guy, the left-handed quarterback who as once was rated 10th uh, all time among left-handed quarterbacks, where number nine was all other left-handed quarterbacks. 
<laughs> so I remember Rich Eisen's reaction to that was, oh, I get it. Funny, funny. You know, he's, he's worse than every other one. So, uh, but it was an interesting, it was an interesting pickup for the Ravens. And obviously they were, they were trying again to, to find their guy at QB. Yeah. And it, uh, the quarterback carousel has, you know, always been a, been a thing here. We don't want to talk about current history because we know there's a certain quarterback situation going on now, but um, there was this hope that, that Scott Mitchell, I think, was a you know, veteran who had had you know, moderate success in Detroit. And there was a thought that, you know, maybe Brian Billick is, you know, he's had success with uh, with veteran quarterbacks in uh, in Minnesota with Randall Cunningham, you know, kind of in the back end of his career. So, you know, maybe there was going to be something there. But Scott Mitchell's tenure in Baltimore was very short. And uh, um, we all probably famously remember that uh, Coach Billick had referred to Scott Mitchell as a water buffalo. So you can imagine that he, uh, let's just say he was uh, not very mobile. Yes. We'll just go with that. Yeah. Mitchell, in fact, might even be better known to some fans as the guy who replaced Achilles Smith in the 37 and nothing shutout in Baltimore after uh, Achilles Smith went down like a lump of, you know what? Yeah, uh, but, and the Cincinnati defenders famously yeah. on the the defensive coordinator on the sideline said, "Who had Burnett? <laughs> <laughs> the offensive coordinator, or the defensive coordinator." Well, oh, I'm sorry, it was the yeah. I apologize. Yeah. The uh, yeah, it might have been the O line coach, and and you could yeah. see all the offensive linemen just kind of turn and look at each other <laughs> <laughs> so to say, "I didn't have him." Yeah. yeah, and funny enough, and that that just points really quickly to the two to the uh, thirty for thirty that just happened, and you see some of those hits that those Ravens defenses put on guys, and I can't imagine the amount of laundry that would end up on the field if uh, those kind of hits were occurring in twenty. Yeah, great, great so, show. We've yeah. we've had a separate separate episode about it, so I don't want to rehash it a lot. Sure, but I was sure. I was a little bit lost in the timeline of the show with them having the footage they had it was two thousand game. Foot, film footage from NFL films and stuff. And then they had 2001, the um, uh, training camp the stuff knocks. they did, the yeah. hard knocks. Right. And and you kind of lose the time frame on when things were said and when are relative to each other. So it's a lot of that is, is like lost of it. Uh, I, I got nice testimonial for the goose and whatnot. I appreciate yeah. that. But, uh, but anyway, uh, getting back to, to the, to this game and the situation, the Ravens lost their first two games. And I, I don't know about you, but I watched them lose that first game of the Rams 27 to 10 and think, oh, my God, I thought this team was going to be good. This Rams team, they suck. They got, mm-hmm. they got a grocery bagger at quarterback in this Kurt Warner guy. And, yeah. You know, they, they, yeah, hindsight being twenty twenty, that <laughs> loss didn't seem quite so bad. No, no, not too, <laughs> not too bad at this point. So, uh, uh, And, and they, the 99 team would come on and eventually put together the uh, – find, actually find their quarterback, which is funny, in the second half, and, the, and, and eventually win four straight games against some – Really uh, impressive wins against some 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 great competition and some not so great competition, but all very impressive wins during that streak. And if and a lot of people might not remember this, but but the Ravens had a had it was an outside chance, but they had a chance oh, yeah. to make the playoffs with a with a win in Week 17 and a lot of help. Mm-hmm. But it would they were still technically in the hunt, and but that ended quickly on a uh, a, a rough day in New England. Is the Ravens have had a lot of those in the regular season. Yeah, you know, Foxborough. Yeah, they they actually I think they were out actually before they had finished the loss to New England. I think they that mm-hmm. Oakland or somebody won a game. Yeah, and got but in. at least but, starting the day, sure. you know, and, and considering where the franchise had been up to that point, that was you know 
as my father used to say, they were walking in tall cotton at that point. But you know, let's <laughs> end it with a thud. <laughs> let's uh, let's let's start this story at the beginning though, because Scott Mitchell then is out, and in week two, he's replaced by Stony Case, who'd been a big preseason hero for the Ravens that year. A lot of that is not remembered, but Stony Case led two last-minute comebacks in the preseason to keep the Ravens, you know, I think I believe they were 4-0 in the preseason that year. But one of the plays, I believe it was the last play of the game, maybe against the Giants, uh, they they won that game on a on a, Stoney, on a play of Stoney Case. Might have involved Brandon Stokely, too, at the end of that game. But anyway, it was, it was, it was Stoney Case. Yeah, and, uh, oh, go ahead, Ken. I'm sorry. Apologize. Anyway, the, the, uh, the, the point being that there was a real thought. Stony Case was a guy who, uh, you know, had come from a history of 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 winning. He started out in Odessa, Texas, and he actually was a junior when Friday Night Lights, the season that Friday Night Lights is being is based on, was occurring. And I believe at the end of that movie, they talk about how the very next year that team went on to win the 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 Texas state title with the running back, you know, playing a, a large role. And I believe that 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 was actually Stony Case's senior year. Oh, so interesting. anyway, he, he'd been a, a, you know, a successful high school winner and he went on to college and, and, uh, and he'd not, he had played elsewhere before he got to the Ravens. He was in Arizona for three years, didn't really play much, but had five starts during, during that period. I'm sorry, one start over two years, uh, and five games in the, in that period, then came to Baltimore at the beginning of 99 and he was in position to take Mitchell's job, uh, going into this week, three game. In fact, he'd taken over in week two, uh, coming in in relief. Yeah, I, I was um and uh, just my little stony case memory. Uh, I was at the uh, the Cleveland game week three, and one of the things I very specifically remember over uh, I was sitting on the uh, in the lower level, kind of close to the fifty yard line, over uh, in the opposite corner of the stadium. A couple of fans had a giant banner that said the stone age has begun oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I could just, for some reason I can close my eyes and see that. And, uh, and if you uh, remember that day, when you talk about uh, the mobility or lack thereof with Scott Mitchell, that was the thing with Stony case was he had, uh, you know, he could flash some skills as far as uh, being a little bit more elusive in the pocket. And that day against Cleveland, he had two rushing touchdowns. <laughs> Two rushing touchdowns and three interceptions, which yes. uh, not uh, <laughs> you know not certainly not a great game, uh, no. but uh, but the Ravens won it seventeen ten despite those three interceptions, and honestly that was kind of a, a of a of a comeback moment to them, and they they got into this Atlanta game in week four at one and two, looking to square their record, looking to to, to get the season really turned around at this point. Uh, certainly had a chance against a team that had just been to the Super Bowl the previous year. A lot of people don't remember this, but the Falcons before this season had traded their first round pick for the Ravens second round pick in 1999. And that pick ended up being the fifth overall pick, but was used on Jamal Lewis. Oh, so the Ravens right. could have done themselves a big favor by winning this game against Atlanta and improving that pick even more, but incredible. You know, you, it, it, it didn't look like the pick was going to be worth anything. Mm. Fans have a, um, to say the least, non-affinity for any kind of uh, deferred gratification. Let's put it that way. I, I, think, yeah. I, I think fans have such trouble waiting for something. Uh, I, I think season ticket holders have, have far more patience for this kind of thing, frankly. I think that's, that's a, a, a very clear dividing line that I've seen. But I, I, I do think that that was a case where it was just ridiculous. The Ravens would not trade a, a two for a one in that particular case. And, and it really, really paid off for them. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, and that's even worse now. You know, we, we live in a we live in an instant gratification yeah. <laughs> kind of society if you think about it. So um, but, you know, it, it's interesting when you think about these games. And again, I, I the earlier point about, you know, trying to learn how to be a football fan, you know, not as growing up as somebody who I don't really remember the Baltimore Colts. Like I have very faint memories of them being mm-hmm. there. So I always watch the NFL kind of on the periphery. Like, you know, once the Ravens came to town, I was all in, but it's still like to, to think about what I knew about the game then. And what I know about the game now, it's, it's kind of amazing. And looking back at this play and thinking about how something like this, how it happened so quickly and the game just ends like that. And it's really, you know, and now in today's game, we don't play sudden death anymore. So <laughs> even, you know, with, with some of the rule tweaks and changes. So it's, I don't know. It's just, it's fascinating to look back 24 years ago and think where you were and, you know, what happened on that play. Yeah. It, it, uh, this, this is a, this is an extraordinary kind of a game in, in so many ways, but this game at Atlanta, it was, I'll just start with by far, and by, by a wide margin, the best game of Stony Case's career. So mm-hmm. he, 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 and, and that said, he averaged 5.1 yards per attempt on the game. So he, had, he was sacked five times for 29 yards, went 13 of 27, which doesn't sound good in its own right, but he had two touchdowns and no interceptions in this game. Big turnaround from Cleveland. Lots mm-hmm. of hope for the season. 96.5 rating in the game. And Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You know, at that time, a 96.5 rating was really high. It wasn't just, you know, oh, that's okay. That's pretty good for the game. It's, it's, that was high. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so it was a, it was a, it was a nice uh, finish. The Ravens got that game to overtime. You want to talk a little bit about the game itself and what, uh, how, how that game got to overtime? Well, well, it's just what's interesting, just looking at the game as a whole and the, the evolution of the game and talking about, you know, 20 some years ago. And you look at the stat line, and you see Eric Rett got 27 carries for 136 yards. And other than that, Stoney Case carried the ball five times. Fullback Chuck Evans carried it once, and Jermaine Lewis carried it once. The idea of a bell cow back was such a thing in that era, mm-hmm. you know, which is a big reason why, as you alluded to earlier, that draft pick that we got from Atlanta 
that we end up using the following draft on Jamal Lewis because we wanted to really have that guy. You know, of course, the Titans we know had Eddie George, and you could look around the league, and there were other teams that were employing that. Again, it's just a uh, – it's kind of a it, – it's a time we're feeling to look at what the game looks like now and what it looked like then. That's just something that jumped out at me when I was looking back at this because you forget about that because you're so used to committee and or guys splitting carries or the game being more pass-heavy now than it was yeah. then. You know. Well, this this in, in terms of the, the the flow of the game, definitely true in terms of all the bell cow backs uh, comments, and it, it, there was even some of that left in two thousand. But but Priest Holmes was still getting a reasonable number of carries that year. In in this game, the Ravens actually trailed thirteen to three late in the third quarter, but they they came back. Um, one of Patrick Johnson's really only contributions to Ravens history. The, the other big one he made was a, the catch at Tennessee. To, for the first loss out of Delphia, but through a 52 yard pass to Patrick Johnson to bring him within three, to make it 13 to 10, actually, you know, with the extra point, um, there's some offsetting penalties on that play, which led to a disqualification of a defensive back that might have played a role in the mm. remainder of this game. And then an immediate drive following, they fumbled the ball. Rob Burnett knocks it loose and Kim Herring recovers at the 35. The Ravens drive, I don't know, not too many yards and then kick a field goal uh, as they as they face fourth inning to get it tied fairly early in the fourth quarter. Nice mm-hmm. back-and-forth defense through the rest of that fourth quarter, even though there were some definitely some opportunities on both sides, which led them to a uh, an overtime session. And you want to talk just a little bit about what happened in the overtime session? Well, I mean, well, real quickly before we get to the overtime session, just something else to consider when, again, you're talking about the evolution of the game. Um, Atlanta had the ball at the Ravens' 36-yard line and punted <laughs> yep. when they, you know, in the fourth quarter. Like that to me, even though the down and distance wasn't, you know, ideal. Like it's fourth and it's 15. Kind of, yeah, it, I mean, again, not ideal. But can you imagine punting from the opponent's 36-yard line? And you know, but again, different time, you know, different situation. Um, and then, of course, you know, Ravens get the ball back, but just, you know, aren't really able to do anything, just kind of running up the middle in an effort yeah. to get to overtime. Um, and we, interestingly, we, oh, go ahead, Ken. I, I just got to say, we, we would have traded, Morton Anderson was the kicker for the Falcons that year. And, and he was notoriously did not have that kind of length uh, ability at that point. I think Morton Anderson was still the kicker for Tennessee in 2003, who kicked the game winning field goal. We'd have really taken a miss there in exchange for a for a loss in this game, uh, no doubt about it. But uh, it, it was it was Gary Anderson in two thousand. Gary Anderson, okay, yeah. But either way, Gary. too too long for Morton as well, and right. uh, and uh, definitely a. Uh, uh, I don't I don't I certainly don't think the punt was that terrible of an idea on fourth and fifteen, but it, but. Mm. Uh, I mean, given the game situation, yeah, it's just funny to to even. It's just coaches are so much more aggressive now, and I guess it has a lot to do with analytics and things like right. that and probabilities. I mean, I guess with a minute to go in the game, it makes sense, uh, but it's just a, a little startling to see. And again, you think of guys with great leg, you know, with stronger legs and kicking indoors, you think, well, 53, 54 yards, that's probably pretty makeable, but. You know, the decision got into overtime ultimately. Yeah. And Atlanta got the ball first too in overtime. Atlanta got the ball first. They were three and out on, on that drive. So nice, nice plays. Chris McAllister playing his first year, wasn't even getting full-time play for the entire season. By week four, he's still fighting Deron Jenkins for playing time. Dwayne Starks is still fighting Deron Jenkins for playing time. Which is remarkable. It is. <laughs> Deron third and long Jenkins. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Responsible yeah. for a lot of those uh, 49 to 42 games that we 
<laughs> was lost in the Vinny Testaverde era. <laughs> really, it really was a uh, uh, you know, Duran Jenkins certainly is his. Reputation definitely declined during his time in Baltimore, unlike some other defensive backs. But Starks and McAllister, despite both being the 10th overall pick, had a hard time getting playing time right away from that guy. And uh, in any case, they, they, they on this particular drive, the plays were made. Uh, Atlanta had a punt from their own 23, and the Ravens were in business at their own 36. The 12-yard play to Ishmael. Uh, and then take us through the play itself. Well, it was... Um... You know, right around right around midfield, a little bit on the uh, on 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 the Ravens side of the field, it just you know, uh, um, Case dropped back from about the forty. He just he cut loose, and you could see Armor kind of split the middle of the defense, just ran past everyone, and it was just a a perfect throw. Armor brings it in around the five, uh, right just inside the five yard line, stumbles in for the touchdown, and game over and it was one of those moments i can remember i was at i was at my parents house my dad and i were watching the game and on this and it's funny to think about again football then versus you know now versus then it was a like a 21 inch tv in the living room we're, we're kind of sitting there and it was that moment where it's like oh oh yeah yeah you know th- th- those it was just this excitement because to that point there hadn't really been a lot of excitement as a Ravens fan, you know, there was the, the initial, you know, just, Hey, we have a team back. And there was the comeback in 1998 that Harbaugh had against the Colts, the Rams 96. Yeah. I mean, you know, and what, what we famously had the tie in overtime against mm-hmm. the Eagles in 97. So there weren't a lot of really big moments yet like this. This was like the first really big moment. And again, and then at that moment, hey, records even at two and two, you know, we're we're back to 500. Let's see what we can do. So it was you thought it was going to be this momentum build because you add to that. Hey, like, as you said, Ken Stoney Case had his best game as a Raven Mm -hmm. at that to that point coming off the game where he the game before where he struggled, but he ran the ball well. It's like, hey, maybe we've got something in this guy. Oh, look at this wide receiver that we found. Oh, you know, we've got. We've got Brandon Stokely, who we just drafted. Oh, we got these young defensive players. This is very exciting. You know, little did we know it was going to take a little bit longer, and we didn't have our quarterback yet, but that moment seemed to be pretty big because it was just a big win and kind of a signature win for a franchise that really had had one yet. It would have been great to have Twitter around at the time to go and review some of the commentary they've been made about everything's looking Ravens here. They've got, look at this, Cody Case is going to be our quarterback for the next decade, and Justin Armour is the wide receiver we've been looking for, and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, so. <laughs> Uh, anyway, great, great that those two connected on a play. The Ravens then went on to lose three straight games. Um, Stony Case uh, was gone at the end of that period. He went two and two as a quarterback, and honestly, the record was a lie. It was nowhere near that good. Um, mm-hmm. Frankly, he's, he's the, the worst uh, uh, backup quarterback, frankly, the Ravens have ever had, and that's really saying something. Uh, career passer rating was right around fifty. To give you an idea, I think he had four touchdowns and 15 interceptions in his career. So the 2-0 and he had this day was most of his career uh, right there. And I think you can sum up Stony Case's career by if you go on YouTube and search Stony Case's career highlights, the video lasts two minutes and 17 seconds. Oh, really? Okay, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. so yeah, it, good to know. <laughs> he's most, most famously was done after the game, the Thursday night game they played against Kansas City where they lost 35-8. to eight. That was his last game as a uh, as a starter, 
and uh, and the Ravens got got completely trashed in a game that that uh, you know would have been something really terrific. They've been able to win it. Uh, you know, I go between blaming um, Mitchell and Case for putting the Ravens out of contention in '99, but maybe Billick deserves a share as well for not not giving the ball to Tony Banks. Tony Banks was really terrific in the second half of 1999. Uh, it, uh, that didn't last until 2000, and you know they, but he was he was really terrific down the stretch in 1999. Yeah, I mean Tony Banks always had a cannon for an arm. Uh, he could put the football anywhere. It was just mm-hmm. that he just never seemed to really grasp the, the mental side of the game and understanding what defenses were trying to do and knowing yeah. where to go with the football when it just you know eluded yeah. him. But physically, he was gifted. He had an arm talent. He's gifted in some ways. He was a fumble waiting to happen and really had zero pocket presence to go with that. So if you don't know where the defenders are, you can't even can't even figure out what's happening on your blind side. Like, you know, we see Lamar do very well. Uh, It's so many blind side fumbles. Anytime he took a blind side sack, it was pretty much fumble. I think his hands might have been a little small in addition to which was part of the problem. So uh, anyway, whatever the case, obviously, Tony Banks had had some troubles and uh, you know, one of the things, and it's kind of a shame, is Tony Banks really isn't part of any celebrations they have about the Ravens 2000 team. And and for whatever you believe about the guy, um, he did some positive things for the team in 2000. He managed some games early on in that year. Uh, he he certainly uh, brought him back in the game against Jacksonville to, to get the win. And it's just kind of a shame that that he's not remembered more positively. And in 1999, frankly, if they'd have gone to him a few games earlier, I think the Ravens probably would have made the playoffs. Yeah, well, definitely would have uh, would have been an interesting maybe uh, change in the course of history there because that that offense, you know, came alive for you know about about six seven weeks there in the second half with Banks at the helm, and you started to get a glimpse of what Billick wanted to do, but. Uh, you know, I, I, that's one of those great what ifs too with Brian Billick's tenure. If, uh, if ever he could have gotten that legitimate franchise quarterback, what could his offense have looked right. like here in Baltimore? But it, it wasn't to be. But we still did have some great moments with him. Would would have been fun. It's for another episode to say sure. what what Billick and uh, and uh, Jackson could have done together potentially. But uh, Jamie, really appreciate having you on. This is always a great trip down memory lane to have these things. We we went down a few extra rabbit holes on this one, went a little long, but that's okay. Tell folks where they can find your stuff online. Um, well, I do some uh, uh, contributing and podcasting at uh, BaltimoreSportsAndLife.com. Great message board. Discuss everything uh, Baltimore uh, sports and you know throughout the other leagues, Maryland Terps, anything else that interests you. And I am on Twitter at primetime 667083. Okay, I can put those numbers together. <laughs> yeah, right. I think you could. <laughs> M- much appreciated, Jamie. Other folks out there, if you'd like to be on a That One Play podcast, love to have you. There's still time, and it's going to go on, I think, pretty much the whole season, uh, whole offseason, I should say, since we've had a lot of interest in this topic. Still tons of great plays in Ravens history to pick from. Just suggest one. There's a pretty good chance it hasn't been taken. If you have three or four in your pocket, that's all the better. Hit me up with a DM on Twitter. Always open. I promise I'll get back to you very quickly. And we'll get a quick recording if you're uh, if you're ready to go. Jamie, thanks again for coming on. Appreciate it, Ken. Always a pleasure. We'll, we'll talk to you next time on Film Study.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.